0: Welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil and joining me as always is Rohan. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Good, thank you. And joining us from Romania this week is Marius. How's it going?
1: I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: And so you've done a lot of work with the Lovelace documentation. So we're excited to hear all about that coming up soon too. So the release this week is 0.75, nice round number, and as usual there's some new platforms to start off with, and this week uh, some more Tuya integrations, they've added in climate, fans and covers, so if you're using Tuya, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly, you can now support those as well.
2: So next, we have uh, Tahoma Smoke Sensors. There's more integration into uh, Home Assistant with this. Uh, so I guess the idea is, you know, if something goes off, uh, you can start start making some automations around it.
0: I really like Smoke Sensors in Home Assistant. I think that's a really cool integration to have.
2: Yeah, um, I have uh, I have my uh, Nest Protects in here, actually, and, and yeah, it's great.
0: Oh, nice. Oh, that's right. Remember when they added in the, the color codes, you were excited about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Um, also added in is Brunt, Brunt, the blind engines. Um, now you can control those with home assistant. Blinds are really cool to automate. I can't wait to automate my blinds.
2: Yeah. That's actually pretty neat. Uh, so I guess this is an, uh, this is one I haven't heard of. So I, uh, cause I was looking at blind controllers or like cover controllers, whatever, a while ago and couldn't really find uh, A whole lot. There's a couple, but that's neat. Good to know that there's another one. There's also the Spider Thermostat, or S-P-Capital-I-D-E-R. Yeah, so another thermostat added to the the platform as well.
0: And power plugs as well.
2: Yeah, and the power plugs. uh, So that's kind of neat.
0: Yeah, I think they're a Netherlands-based sort of smart home company, so that's cool. P5 Future Now Lights have been also added in. So another light component, I really... I'm a big fan of more light like, components being added in, so bring them on.
2: Yep. Also, magic seaweed sensors. So, I'd be lying if I said I knew what this was before this, um, <laughs> before before the this this uh, release came out. Um, but it actually seems kind of kind of cool. So it's weather and ocean data, hence the name's magic seaweed. <laughs> but it also sounds like a little bit of a trip. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's it's. Uh, so now that's brought in. So I guess if you're if you're doing anything where you need that kind of stuff, so for example, surfing, you can get yourself an API key and pop it in here.
0: When I first skimmed the release notes for this week and I saw Magic Seaweed, I, I thought, oh yeah, it's just another like Kickstarter or something that's come up with a, a simple name that could be anything. I didn't realize, but it actually makes sense that it's a surf
2: sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and actually another one with a... This very simple name, I guess, is the Genie Aladdin Connect garage door open. If you have a a garage door and you use the Genie Aladdin Connect system, you can now open, maybe not close, depending if you're using the Amazon Echo or not, your garage doors with that Connect system.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Lastly in this new release, so this is actually pretty cool. So the three of us were talking about this before the episode recorded, is... uh... The Sisyphus. So if you're not familiar with this, this is basically, I guess it's, I don't don't know if it's still in the Kickstarter stage or it's not. Uh, I think it's out of Kickstarter already, but uh, it looks like they were funded pretty quickly, but it's a table with sand in it that draws patterns by itself. It's got lights underneath. It's got a media player component uh, attachment with Home Assistant, but uh, the end result is actually pretty cool. So it's like a coffee table that it's like a copper table plus, I think they call them Buddha boards, but this, uh, there's a little ball in here that basically moves around and makes shapes in the sands automatically. Yeah, like it's, it's uh, so you can just add a bunch of tables in here if you have those, which is super cool. I didn't know this existed either.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. Like it's, as I said, like Home Assistant keeps adding new components and my shopping list keeps getting bigger. Which yeah, is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I believe the metal version starts at about 1300 US dollars. For a coffee table or a side table. And if you want to go the all wooden version, you're looking at about seven and a half thousand US dollars starting out. So a bit pricey, but I mean, it's definitely unique. I haven't seen one before, so.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, and, and I guess it erases those patterns and then builds another one and so on and so forth. It's kind of cool. So it looks like underneath the covers, um, it's Raspberry Pi and, and maybe another custom board, but I think that's kind of neat. I really like
0: the, the use inside Home Assistant. So, uh, I believe they have what they call tracks, which are just basically the designs that the ball will print in the sand. And you can use the media player component in Home Assistant to change what pattern will be to drawn on. So, you can go then shuffle the tracks, shuffle or go to the next track and it'll start drawing something new. So, you could definitely automate, you know, when someone walks into a room, change the track and start drawing something new, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. And I, w- I wonder if... Uh... It just uses like music, so like highs and lows to change directions or something like that, and oh, do that okay, kind of be thing. Cool but, too.
0: Yeah, like like an equalizer or something.
2: Yeah, kind of that concept, right? And and you know maybe one is go left, one is go right. I don't, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. I <laughs> that's it's that that'd be kind of cool though. So
0: I wonder if it's all if you could do like if you can upload your own photos to it, like sort of like an e ink display, like it would print. You know what in the in the sand it will print as best it can
2: a photo yeah, I don't know if I want that, like it'd yeah, be kind of weird just have a picture of me drawn in sand by a ball <laughs> 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 just my face or something, <laughs> like me giving two thumbs up or something like
0: <laughs> and it takes like an hour and a half for it to for the image to complete, and you just can't be bothered watching it complete for that long.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I'll add it to the shopping list. I may never get it, but it'll be on there somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, <laughs> I think the first ten thousand uh, things that I have to buy first come to that, probably would <laughs> come ahead of that. It is cool, though. It is cool. If you're done, if you're done, your shopping list or near the bottom. Then have a look. It's kind of cool.
0: Um, some breaking changes out of this release is the moon sensor. The states are now lowercase and with underscores um, instead of spaces. This is just to allow it to be translated in the front end a bit easier. So if you're relying on the state of the moon in your automations, you'll just have to watch out for that. They are going to change in this release.
2: Yeah. Also, uh, so the Insteon Mini Remote, basically it, it emits events now instead of binary instead of showing it as a binary sensor. So depending on what you're doing, that may, uh, that may break a few things if you're using that.
0: Uh, that's actually handy. Do you use the Mini Remote with your Insteon setup?
2: No, I, I'm on a Lutron setup, so oh, I yeah, do Lutron. have. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I, I do use the remote with the Lutron. It's 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 weird. So anybody else in living and, and I'm not sure where it is. I'm not sure if it's just in where my region is, uh, like in my municipality, or or even if it's just in the Toronto area, or or if it's in Ontario as a whole, or what. But for some reason, my my bathroom doesn't have a light switch in it. It's light and exhaust. It's outside. And I don't
0: know if that sounds like a yeah like a, a a legal restriction for some reason.
2: Yeah, but it's, but it's only my oh, it's, oh, it's only my my guest bathroom, my my en suite, my master bathroom has it.
0: Oh, okay, maybe not then.
2: Yeah, so it's weird and and my parents' house, it was something similar where they had they had light switches uh or like a light and, a, and an exhaust switch inside their their guest uh, bathroom. But then there was another light switch outside in the dining room that controlled the exhaust fan. And I was like, what? So mm-hmm. I, I don't know why that exists, but it, it's, they do some weird stuff. So, but basically I'm using the Lutron uh, Pico remotes to, in in the bathroom. So, so that now I have light switches. Do you have those hooked up with home assistant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's my, my Lutron setup is, yeah.
0: And do you use events or are they binary sensors as well?
2: Uh, they just show up as switches for me.
0: Oh, nice. Okay, all so, well, oh, right. Well, the, of course,
2: yeah. So, so the remote doesn't actually show up. The remote, uh, because it's technically a part of an extension, right? And then, but the remote has uh, like a little middle button thing, which my light switches don't have. So that actually comes in as a scene.
0: Right. Yes. So, yeah. Um, another breaking change this week is the changes to Simply Safe. They've upgraded the API that Simply Safe component uses. The downside to that is that any uh, CO fire, flood, and last events are no longer reported as part of the alarm component in Home Assistant. Um, so it is a breaking change. There is plans to have some of those come back as other sensors in a future release, though. So if you do rely on any of those sensors in Home Assistant, you might want to hold off until they're brought back in a future release. Yeah,
2: and and also um, Smappy. So if you use Smappy, the... Basically, it'll now show uh, temperature as degrees Celsius instead of, uh, I guess, centigrade? Or is it centi-degree? I, I just assumed that was supposed yeah, centi- to be degrees. centigrade. But oh, like, oh, wow. Okay, that's that's a really weird unit to have started off with anyways. Yeah, exactly right. I I completely understand the purpose of this change.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and some noteworthy updates in this release. Big one for entity IDs. They can now be changed from the front end, which is exciting. So it's available for anything platform to support unique IDs. Example of this would be a Philips Hue integration. So now when you link up a Philips Hue bulb and you get that light underscore one to ABC, you can now go in and change the entity ID in the UI. And then you can go ahead and update your automations easily. Mm. I wonder wonder if um, this will have support for Z-Wave, because that's a big one. Like Z-Wave entity IDs can get messy very quickly. Yeah. Um, But speaking of Z-Wave, there's a a new uh, update that I saw in the release notes. There is a special Z-Wave class called Protection Command Class, which is used. uh, One of the devices uses it is a Fibaro key fob. Now you can update that. From the Z-Wave control panel in Home Assistant So this will be good for things like that may use security Maybe some future versions of locks or anything like that Having the support now enables you to change settings for those devices Within Home Assistant You don't have to go into open Z-Wave control panel or anything like that Or edit XML files You can now do it from the Z-Wave control panel So that's a good update too
2: yeah that's cool also uh turning on and off services as part of the core com- uh camera component has been added that might be cool for if you've got Netgear arlo cameras instead of you know
0: having and going and disabling the the camera component from its certain way of doing it maybe you can just call the turn off service and it will yeah. know okay i'm a Netgear arlo camera i need to go and disable the box and do it that way yeah so that'll be cool to make everything a little bit talk nicely together yeah that would be kind of cool so marius tell us about the changes coming in 0.75 for lovelace yeah
1: there are quite a few interesting changes um one of the two most noticeable ones is add support for css imports which would allow you to just as you add javascript to uh, your resources uh, would allow you to import css just keep in mind the ah, nice. changes might not apply to your shadow DOM entities but still will give some flexibility to people. Um, A second big one is a new card. Um, As with all the new cards, this will require you to read some documentation on it. But basically what this card is, is a conditional card, which would allow you to customize your interface based on the state of some other entities, not what you are displaying in the card. This previously used to be a, uh, a hack, So it was a hack on the entity filter card where you'd have a a state for the list of entities that would uh, give you the card or not. And then you'd enter the rest of the config in the card type and then uh, another entity there. And this would allow user to hide or show a specific card based on the state filter. It was not, it was a bit clunky and uh, it was a basically a hack and they wanted to get rid of this so a new card was added to support the exact use case for for the users
0: does that mean you could um, use a conditional card to display different options so for example could i have a a card block that is only displayed if a completely like an input boolean is turned on or off
1: yep definitely So you could have uh, multiple states, uh, maybe templated into one input Boolean, and based on that, you'd display one or multiple cards. And this way, you could make your dashboard really dynamic to have it uh, display what you need based on the states around you or the states that uh, make your dashboard uh, required in a certain way.
2: Ah, so so what that means is we can start hiding things if we don't need to see them. So like maybe, maybe at you know certain things like notifications and stuff, you can you can almost use this as, a, as like a to do list, right? <laughs> hey, I have stuff to do, and yeah, it's uh. Keep in mind the notifications are not
1: yet in Lovelace. Yeah, but uh, for everything else, for example, uh, if you have like a, a panel on the wall and you pass by that uh, specific tablet or whatever you have on the wall in different times of day. Uh, For example, in the morning, you you prepare for work, you maybe want a list of events or calendar events that uh, are going to happen at work, and then you want to hide that card away, and when the evening comes, maybe you want a playlist for the evening music to relax. So this could be done now. That's cool.
0: Uh, Yeah, this is going to help me out with my rubbish bins, I think, like... I don't need them displayed all the time. I can just have them display on Mondays only now. So that's cool.
1: Yeah. It de- declutters things. So as long as you can be dynamic of uh, what you're displaying and when, and based on the situation, you can reduce your dashboard to be, instead of a long scroll with the uh, various states, just a shorter list with the most important things for you at that specific mo- moment in time.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking of this almost as like a context based kind of UI, right? So, hey, you know what, it's Monday, and I've just come home from work. So here's all of the all of the things, you know, I can do. And then and then, if we need to do other stuff, then we can do that outside of this card, right? Or outside of this scene, whatever you want to call it. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Imagine your girlfriend, for example, every time you leave the house, asks you if you turned off the I don't know ironing uh, thing or yeah. uh, the some other big consuming device or you close the windows upstairs every time you if you do this every time then and you're required to take your phone out because maybe she doesn't trust your automation, then why not when you take your phone out and you're you just left home and it's a specific moment in time and you leave for work it just displays that specific dashboard on your phone. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's exactly like how kind of uh ways and all of these guys do their widgets, right? Hey, it's time to leave. Right? And you only see that. Yeah. You only see that when you, when you get it. So, or when, when, it, when it's about time to leave and then when it goes it's, away. Yeah. Yeah. And if, for example, there's some software, like
1: uh, for example, you mentioned ways, which uh, might already have some uh, traveling computation done for you. And, uh, ai type of uh, detecting when it should give you a notification if you have a sensor for that you could use that for a conditional card so
2: yeah actually that's kind of cool uh,
0: yeah so um tell tell us a bit about um because i've been seeing a lot of uh people doing some awesome stuff with lovelace are they doing it that with a picture glance card or they're doing it like a just normal glance card or something
1: Um, Yeah, so majority of people that are doing now uh, kind of custom-looking like cards are using picture elements. So picture elements in the first release was uh, presented as a a floor plan alternative or a lightweight floor plan alternative. Uh, But because of the flexibility, and because it allows you to do uh, elements uh, like a free positioning on on that specific card, and you have like a picture background – because of all of these elements, then it gives you a lot of flexibility. And people asked uh, for certain type of uh, uh, elements because then now we have like views, cards, and now we also have elements. Um, these elements were produced and now they have a lot of flexibility to build stuff. And using those uh, picture elements, people build, I don't know, like uh, there's a, a tapped card and... Uh, for beer stuff, and there's like a lot of other things that I've seen, including a plan card, a simulation of a glance card. And uh, the guys from the community already built a website specific for this. So, similar to uh, the one for developers where they uh, showcase the uh, internal cards with various configs, there's now a site called sharedelove.io. Uh, where people put in their specific picture elements cards, for example, with a specific config and uh, percentages for positioning. And you just swap out uh, the elements there with your own entities. And there you go. You have like a custom looking card with the default uh, UI just using. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's actually, yeah, a great site. I'm just looking at it now. And there's some really cool, like there's a, a greeter card and there's a vacuum cleaner card by looks good as well. So yeah, there's some really cool um, yeah. Examples on here. So that's a great little site to look at. Uh,
1: another thing that uh, is going to be available in the new release is uh, row dividers uh, for entities card. So people wanted to stack more elements in, inside the elements card, but as the list grows, uh, you want some sort of uh, separation like segments in there. And now with the row dividers, you can add like uh, pictures in there and really nice separators to make your Longer list look a lot more presentable and easier oh, to digest. Oh,
0: that's nice. So the, the row divider can actually have a picture? Yep. Ooh, nice. That's neat.
1: Then they added also a custom icon support. What this does is, for example, you have um, a glance card where you put uh, a light, but you want that light to, be, uh, to have a specific icon in that glance card, but a completely different icon, for example, on your... Uh, floor plan picture elements card. And now you can do this. You can specify when you add the entity that it has to have this specific icon in this card instead of having the same Ah, icon everywhere.
2: At Parker,
1: our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better
2: technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com/purpose.
1: Parker, engineering your success.
0: Yeah, and it looks like there's a, a breaking change as well with um, this release. Um, they're changing the way uh, turning on and call services are used. Is that right?
1: You know, yes, you had tap action before, and um, that used like turn on uh, for uh, stuff that you just you didn't want to toggle, you just mm-hmm. want to start. And because they are trying to make it extendable, uh, they added the call services. So you just not just turn on stuff, but you can call a specific service right. with parameters. And They collapsed this into the call service because it made more sense.
0: Uh, so now you can do other things like you could have a, a script turn on or... And maybe call the service like a shell script or something like that now
1: uh, yes
2: no that is really neat
1: there are some fixes there are some fixes as well for example uh, as they refactor a bit the entities card uh, it lost a bit of functionality for example like for climate entities the row wasn't displaying uh, the sa- same information as previously did uh, these things uh, got fixed and now they're uh, ok now again oh,
0: excellent uh, all right, Marius, tell us about custom cards in Lovelace as well.
1: Yeah, so custom cards have been added in Lovelace, I think, since the beginning, and uh, they're quite a neat way for people to experiment and try new things before they make it into the default interface. One of the examples where the custom cards started to uh, become useful and it, it made more sense is, uh, for example, the rele- the first release of the entity A filter card. That one had dynamic entities uh, through a a pattern that you could add into your um, configuration. But that one got removed because it added complexity that could have been complicated to maintain down the road, and that Mm -hmm. upset uh, a few people. So... The way it's recommended is that you start your a uh, new card with a, a custom card and get feedback and then build all certain things around it and fix things and make it stable. And then when you're happy with it, uh, if it makes sense for uh, for the card, if it's uh, uh, popular enough and usable enough for everybody else, then you could try to submit uh, this card to the Lovelace Core.
0: Right, similar to how like a custom component would work. So if someone's yeah. made a... A custom component for Home Assistant. They sort of release it to the community first, and then when they're ready for it, then it can be released into the into the, as a core component.
1: Exactly. Um, That's kind of neat for both custom cards and custom components. Um, the members of the community. Uh, I think it was the um, Ludeus and I can't remember who else now. Apologies for whoever uh, <laughs> the other name. Um, so they added two repos to simplify for people looking for cards. There's like a custom cards repo and a custom components repo, actually uh, organizations which have multiple repos and then people can contribute their, their own cards and get uh, the benefit of having one, everything in one place. For me, I still have some cards in my own repo. I have quite a few built now, uh, built on, based on either requests from the community or things that I found uh, to be useful. Mhm. The the first one was a uh, monster card. I think this one was a uh, uh, instant hit after they removed the uh, entity filter.
0: Yeah. That's right. Everyone's loving the monster card.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it allows quite a few things with filters, like complex things like for example getting a list of entities which have the battery level attribute above a certain percentage. So crazy things like that. It's it's available through the monster card. And then I have the Alarm Card, which is a spin-off from the original uh, Alarm pa- alarm Dialogue in in um, the previous UI, but now it's, it's built specifically for Lovelace uh, and Simplified. And uh, this also got some extra new features like uh, auto-arming and auto-disarming based on uh, the length of your code and things like this. Mm. That's very cool. I have actually yeah. just
0: started using the uh, manual uh, alarm component as a way of doing another, like a manual override for presence detection. So that would be cool if, you know, for example, if I get home and my battery is dead, I don't want, you know, things to start going off to say, hey, there's an intruder in the place. So having the alarm control panel with Lovelace on the tablet, that would be a good use case, I think.
1: Yeah, indeed, mean, it's uh, quite a, a useful
2: thing to have. Yeah. What, what are you using now, Phil?
0: Uh, So, I've got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth as my presence detection. And then, uh, actually, uh, I'm using the MQTT alarm control panel um, in Home Assistant. So, instead of using, like, group.people as determining if um, people are home, there's also... um, I'm using a binary sensor. So, if the alarm panel is disarmed, it will assume that people are home. And then I can use that binary sensor to say, okay, people are home instead of relying on my just the presence right. architectures, right, right. if that makes sense. So is this or that. Yeah, exactly. So then when people get home, they um, the alarm panel will automatically disable. So that also then, once it, that also disables the alarm, which then triggers that binary sensor to say, okay, people are home. So there's now other two ways that people can be marked as home. They can either come in with a recognized device and join the Wi-Fi, or they can walk up to the tablet in the kitchen and punch in the security code to disarm the alarm. Got it. Okay. Nice hmm
1: i also have then a a card tracker this was actually started to help with the custom component that uh, ludeus started uh, to keep track of your custom cards um, and to be able to update the versions of your custom cards with one click
0: oh that's handy
1: yeah i'm using it on my production and it's a really a life savior once you have more than three cards and if you get updates like bug fixes and things like this yeah. and you don't want to get through all the trouble you just click one button everything updates and then you refresh and you're done oh that's awesome that okay i'm cool. going to use that yeah thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah. just add it to the list
0: yeah already adding it to the list now <laughs> that's
1: fine and uh, one of the last components released which uh, i released this week uh is the thermostat card
0: ah, were... there's actually a lot of love for this on reddit it looked really cool yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a, it was a requested card a while back based on a CodePen uh, snippet. And uh, I didn't have time with it uh, right then. And someone from the community picked it up. They did a first version of it uh, just to load it and to have it uh, integrate. And then as I had a bit more experience from the days when I uh, patched the generic thermostat, uh, I integrated properly with the states uh, and uh, everything else in, in Home Assistant with a few exceptions, like uh, there's still some controls which need to be integrated, which are in the to-do, the to-do list. Um, and now it's, I also added, uh, through, after refactoring uh, support for uh, two set points, if you have uh, things which have a low and high temperature, and added big tapping buttons to be to be usable on mobile, and released the first ah, nice. version now. Yeah. I use it on my production now, and I, I like it as well. It's
2: that's awesome and
1: compared to yeah, compared to previous one uh, where you had the thermostat like in this like form looking older style this is uh, an improvement at least for me
2: yeah i was gonna say it looks it, it, it looks like it'll be a nice you know visual aspect too right so. yeah
1: and there will still be people which will just rely on their automation which would not be that interested but uh, many people still like to check their thermostat every now and then and, uh, fiddle with it. Uh, so yeah.
0: Tinker with it. Uh, I don't feel like, I know I'm, I've automated it, but I still feel cold. Let's yeah. just bump it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. The next one for me, it was, was requested and it's in the works. It's a uh, animated, uh, weather card. There was, um, also a code pen, um, with the card, which was suggested on discord by the guys and this one's also really, really cool. If you have time, uh, just uh, have a look at it. Um, I'll I'll give you the link after it. Um, it's, it, for example, if you have like a storm, it puts uh, lightning bolts and then it actually shakes the card. Uh, if there's wind, oh, there's really? like... A, That's cool. Yeah, if there's wind, there's like leaves flying and things like this. So it's... It, it's, it's <laughs> That's really awesome. Nice.
2: Oh, yeah. that is awesome. <laughs> I, I really um, want to
1: know.
0: I need another weekend just to sort out all these new custom cards and everything that I'm seeing on.
2: Yeah. It, well, yeah, it's, cool. it's funny cause that's kind of what's kept me from uh, turning on Lovelace, right? Is basically, I just, I I want to spend time and I want to do it all like nicely and, and I want to get stuff like this in there. Right. So, well, there, there's a new website to help you out. Also, if you feel like overwhelmed,
1: uh, I know Frank built a new website to uh, it's, HA Awesome or something like that. Uh, I can't remember now the URL top of my head, but he built this website where he curated a list of things which uh, are stable enough and useful. People, if they're unsure what to pick, uh, can just take that list
2: and then start from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes. That's actually a good resource
2: as well. That is fantastic. So so tell us a little bit about yourself, Marius. How long have you been using Home Assistant? You know, how long have you been doing HA as a whole?
1: Yeah, so um, I started with Home Assistant, I think, in 2016. Uh, Actually, I was researching something for uh, a student. Uh, We are having a program, program at work where we're helping kids learn programming stuff. And I wanted to do something a bit more cool. And I asked him to research something on the home automation side of things, where you have a bit of hardware and such. And we ended up, from the research, going with Home Assistant because it seemed simple enough, but also have the programming element to it. So we chose that. And then after we finished the program, I it piqued my interest so much, I said, hey, I'm going to look for myself only now. So I'll take this and I'll dig in. So I think around May last year, it was the first time I actually... Uh, built a repo for uh, myself, uh, a private repo because of passwords and stuff uh, until I got used to secrets. Uh, And uh, then started to do a bit of uh, documentation patching. And then late November, um, when I got more and more used to HasIO, I started to do some patching on uh, some add-ons in, uh, I think it was uh, Best Libres uh, repo. And then as winter came, you know, in December I was here, uh, I started to use the thermostat. Because I had a dumb thermostat on the wall, and I decided to make it uh, smarter. Oh,
2: so I built nice. my
1: own using a Sonoff relay, and uh, hooked it into the generic thermostat component. And that had slight, slight problems here and there, and I said, hey, this is just code, so why not help out? So I dug in and did a few pull requests, and they got merged in. So I got
2: hooked to help you out <laughs> that's cool it, it, it's funny <laughs> and now you're hooked on home assistant well it, exactly it, it, it's funny because there's a lot of people that uh, that kind of get into that dev motion exactly because of that right and it's uh hey i contributed this one time and then and then i was hooked and then you know i'm gonna i'm gonna keep contributing to different different things right i mean yeah,
1: it's, I mean, it's been uh, uh, quite a few things since then. Um, the first uh, bigger thing was uh, with uh, Crusader. So Crusader was uh, the one that was discussing with me regarding hasSIO interface uh, in February, I think. And uh, he did a lot of refactoring, and I just helped with some usability, a bit of code here and there, and we did the redesign back then of the... SIO tab with the new now add-on view yeah. and such, so that was a another cool thing to to be part of, and then I took a break. Yeah. Uh, I went skiing and such, and uh, in May I went back to uh, see that the new add-on was getting a bit more traction. Actually, it was not an add-on at the time; it was just the software uh, Zigbee to MQTT. Yeah. So. I decided to get involved to get the add-on a bit more active because I had a stick uh, like uh, a year and a half ago um, and was just sitting there waiting to be used. And first time this was having documentation and it was looking uh, quite well. It had a few forks and I contacted each of the owners and I said, hey, I want to join on just one of the forks and uh, try to make it uh, nicer for people. I got involved in documentation, as uh, I usually end up doing. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it started to take off it, uh, people just started to contribute to just, just this one fork and, uh, documentation got better, more devices got added. And, uh, then we got, uh, an add-on for HasIO. So now it's, uh, it's looking good. And
0: yeah, that's awesome. It's funny you, um, you say that I actually received a USB debugger today, for my Zigbee to MQTT, so I'll be soon joining that repo as well, and hopefully contributing back some new devices.
1: Nice, really, really nice.
0: Yeah. And how how are you finding it? Are you, are you finding any delays or anything like that using it?
1: No. So the one of the main reasons I looked into this was um, for there were actually de- delays when using the um, uh, Xiaomi buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the Xiaomi Gateway and the way the setup works, uh, you'd have up to sometimes up to one second of delay when pressing the button until you had a, an event in Home Assistant. So I optimized now, I fixed some of the problems, but uh, with this, I'm trying to reduce the latency because now it's directly in Home Assistant. And uh, the only thing that I've noticed so far is that when you have, for example, a sensor that... Uh, doesn't have enough variation, so the so the value doesn't change that much, mm-hmm. like temperature. Uh, you'd get uh, less reports than you'd had with the Xiaomi gateway. uh right. Okay. Besides that, there's no change. And even if with that, if you actually have something like going, uh, the temperature varies, then you'd get the reports. There's you're not gonna miss uh, the high temperature variation. It's just that you don't get the uh, regular reports as often as you'd had with the uh, uh, the old Xiaomi Gateway.
2: Right, okay, and, that and makes that's sense. That's not the biggest deal to me at least, but that's that's perfect. Yeah, and better
0: to have one super Zigbee network than multiple little. Zigbee well, exactly. As
2: well. So, I mean, getting on my little soapbox here, it's 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 terrible for have. Like, I, I hate the fact a I have to buy like a hundred different hubs to do the exact same thing right? And, and B is, you know, I'm causing a lot of interference. I'm doing a lot of that stuff. So if I can have one resilient network, why don't I use that instead of having four kind of disparate networks that do the exact same thing, right?
0: Especially when they're all communicating on the same technology. So in my house, I've got the Xiaomi Hub, Philips Hue Bridge, and a Lightify gateway, all talking ZigBee. So three Zigbee networks that isn't talking to each other. I'm hoping that I can get them all working on the one Zigbee network.
2: Yeah so so for me've I've actually held off on buying uh, different things like the IKEA uh, trad free bulbs and and you know I've wanted to buy a Xiaomi water leak sensor, a couple of things like that, but because I need the extra hub, it's not uh, to me it's not worth it. Yeah something yeah we and- to plug in.
1: Yeah. Actually I have the, I have the, uh, water leak from Xiaomi. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. It's really, really good. Oh, perfect. I might, uh, I might, I might actually <laughs> get those now and then, yeah. Cause last, last I checked on, uh, cause I have, again, I have been watching this project, but the last I checked, that wasn't on the directly on the certified list. And this is before it was kind of starting to get unified and and all of that stuff. Right. This is when the project first kind of came out, but, So I was like, okay, I'll kind of keep watching it and and then I guess I hadn't for a little bit and now it's so much better and I want it. (laughs) So
0: So what are you using to run Home Assistant? Do you have a Raspberry Pi set up with anything?
2: Um,
1: Yeah, so my main production is running on a Raspberry Pi 3 uh, with a SSD uh, um, connected on an external USB and that's running Resin OS still uh, because uh, I haven't had the time to make the USB work on HasOS, OS, uh, and that's right. running my production. I also received from my colleagues at work, which were nice enough uh, to get me a Raspberry Pi 3B+, Plus, and that's mm. running HASS OS, and is running it uh, for my dev environment where I test things, I test long-running things, I test memory consumption
2: things, So, uh, and that's running really well as well nice that's awesome so so why uh why the external uh usb drive so
1: um for me uh the external usb was a must because i run uh one of the add-ons that i run is InfluxDB, and if you right. want to write a lot of metrics and even with a good card there's a chance that you will wear it out mm-hmm and with an SSD, it's it's no longer that probable that you, you're going to uh, have a failure. And uh, even though I'm not winning that much speed, uh, it's for stability reasons that I'm going the USB route uh, instead of the SD card.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, nice.
1: I also had a an, an orange pie, um, which I'm also using for. I used to have it that for dev purposes, but I switched with the 3B plus as I received it. But that's gonna probably go probably at a friend or something to to run Has.io as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. that's great. So if if you're using uh, Has, hasOS or Has.io, what would be your favorite add-ons that you you've got running there? Yeah. So apart from the Zigbee to MQTT, of course.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm running uh, as majority. I'm running a Duck DNS add-on, but this is just to update dynamically the DNS because I'm not using a Duck DNS I'm using a, a just a cname to right. that one from a bot domain. Yeah. Um, then I'm using nginx from Best Libre. Uh, and the reason I'm using this one is because it has uh, multiple vhost support directly in the basic configuration of the add-on, which makes it super easy to have multiple vhost instead of understanding actual NGINX configuration.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason for multiple v is that once you add more add-ons like uh, Grafana or uh, Tasmo Admin or whatever mm-hmm. other add-on that exposes the web UI, uh, then you want to have a, a panel on the left side of, of your Home Assistant and if you have a your home assistant running HTTPS, uh, then those, add-ons, have to, those uh, add-ons, if they're running as panels, then they have to be on HTTPS and they have to have correct certificates. So probably you want to also have a subdomain pointing to those to have the correct certificate. And this just makes life easier. I'm using Nginx and then a cert bot, which works perfectly with this Nginx from Libre And I just have everything configured there. I haven't touched in a while.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: so besides NGINX, I have the SSH add-on. Um, now for SSH, I'm using this besides just going in and checking stuff and restarting and doing basic troubleshooting when required, which is far less now that I have uh, HASSIO, uh than previously. Uh, I also use it uh, instead of uh, the Samba add-on using SSHFS. So SSHFS, what it does, uh, it allows you to mount via SSH on your local laptop, a remote volume from your box. And this way you can use local editors to edit files like you do with Samba, but uh, everything is on an encrypted channel like SSH. Ah,
2: oh, nice. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I was just looking at that. So I guess it's made by the Linux Fuse uh, organization. That's kind of neat. And then, of course, Grafana and InfluxDB. Uh,
1: I'm using uh, these for basic troubleshooting. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't, start a new installation without this available it's it it's just a life for for troubleshooting you add stuff in you forget about it maybe that just grows your memory over time and you're not noticing it and then all of a sudden your pi starts hogging and cpu goes like max and then you don't know what happened and since when and then you go back you troubleshoot using grafana which saves a lot of time
2: yeah no i i agree it's it's a very, very good troubleshooting tool. My uh, microphone I installed broke uh, a while ago, and I just, I just didn't bother fixing it. I guess I should look at it again. But, but uh, even if you don't look at it, it's good to have just running in the background, right? And just you know, you never yeah, get, know when you're getting the need. metrics. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun because um, it, it tends to trip up a lot, uh, a lot of support people. So uh, I had a support case open with Ecobee a while ago, and I'm like, hey, why is this working this way? Like, oh, you know, this is kind of how it works. And and because essentially, like, let's say it's you say, hey, I want the I want the house uh, to be like 23 degrees by 6 a.m. Well, great. It'll actually preemptively start that. And I was like, man, why is my house getting so hot in the winter? Right. And it's like to the point where I'd be waking up. So uh, at like five, well, it preemptively turns it on. So whatever. So and I was like, OK, so interesting. So and then, and then at that point, I was plotting a lot of my temperature data. Yeah, and then I was like, well, so if I look here, and then, and then they're like, uh, why do you have this information? I'm like, don't worry about it. And it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, but it, it, it's interesting. So it, it is actually very good for troubleshooting as well. For my Grafana, I also have um,
1: a, an alerting. So I mm-hmm. had set thresholds, and I have alerting, which at the moment goes to a Slack bot. Uh, I'm hoping I can move it to a Discord message but that's also very useful
0: oh, so it's like if something reaches over a certain threshold you'll get an alert to say hey something's wrong here
1: yeah i usually have it for cpu like if there's no data for a certain sensor you can do alerts so if there's uh, data over a certain threshold or under a certain threshold you can do all kinds of alerts uh based on this and depending on the integration I've, i have them sent to a specific um a slack um, yep. slack organization
0: Yeah. That's neat. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah,
1: and the last, the last major add-on that I use is uh, Tasmo Admin. This has been really, really awesome because I, I think uh, Sonoff are uh, quite uh, nice devices, especially that I use one for my um, th- thermostat. Mm-hmm. So what this add-on helps me do is um, monitor, for example, uh, firmware versions on my Sonoffs, uh, upgrade the versions as well, and it allows me to track, for example, signals for various sonoffs.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's cool! So it sort of so it's a an add-on that allows you to make sure that all the different sonoffs are up to the right version and all that from within Home Assistant.
1: Yes, and it's oh, super, awesome, super super add-on. useful. Yeah. Y- so yeah. If if you're having troubles with your sonoffs and you're not sure if it's the signal or something like that. Have a look at this add-on and it will it will save you lots of time of troubleshooting because you can just check if maybe there's an older version on that device that is causing you problems or maybe uh, you forgot to upgrade or maybe it's in a corner where it has weak signal and every time a neighbor comes in and introduces some interference, it causes it to misbehave.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a great add-on for everyone then.
2: Yeah, that's, that's handy.
0: So what sort of uh, components are you using in your smart home at the moment? Have you got... Anything else apart from the Xiaomi gateway setup, like a Philips Hue or anything like that?
1: Uh, Nothing extra. Uh, I'm using just the uh, presence detection for my mobile phone and through the Wi-Fi router and uh, uh, Bluetooth detection. I also have uh, the Sonoffs, which are now integrated easier with the new Mm -hmm. auto-discovery. But besides this, I have not much else because I haven't had any previous devices that uh, I had to plug in and when I did my research I looked for the most uh, affordable but also stable uh, setup that I could find and I decided that the Xiaomi sensors and switches and buttons and everything they have in their ecosystem is really cheap enough uh, for starting with but also stable enough and it's also good looking.
0: Yeah I'm really surprised how good looking the, the Xiaomi stuff actually is. Like you see on the the pictures when you're buying it online you're like oh it looks big and ugly but then then you get it and they're actually they feel really premium and they're very like the sensors at least are very tiny like in the palm of your hand so yeah i'm I'm really uh impressed with the quality that you get for such a good price
1: yeah i i have the, the the sensors i have the door window sensors i have motion sensors the uh water leak sensor um, I have. I even bought a, a lock from them, just to test it out. Yeah. It's uh, in, It it looks and it feels and it works quite nicely. I haven't integrated it with Home Assistant yet because I haven't mounted it on any an, any door. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's a bit different mechanism. Uh, we usually have here a multi-point lock, and this is just a single-point lock, so it doesn't really fit. Uh, right. But, uh,
2: it's a good experiment to, to that try. Is neat, yeah. Yeah. So so what are what are some of the you know some of your favorite automations, some of the routines that you run? Well, out of out of all of your stuff, what do you think is, you know, the coolest or what stands out to you the most kind of thing?
1: So, of course, the 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 first favorite ones would be the ones around the lights. I have a um, automation for moving Sun position and light. So whenever sun is under a uh, certain position, then if someone moves in an area, the lights turn on. Yep. Uh, it's basic stuff like that. Um, then I have uh, automation for turning all lights off. And these are usable also when presence detection senses that no one's home. If any lights are on, it just turns them off. Right.
2: But also okay. I have
1: uh, this tied onto a button. So, for example, you go to the bathroom middle of the night, lights turn on along the way. When you come back, you can just uh, tap a button, uh, or in my case, actually have a cube which has a, a certain position for for this, and that, that the, triggers the lights the out. The Xiaomi Cube. Yeah, that's
0: yeah, the nice.
1: most. It's the most awesome controller uh, for people that want multiple things tied to it. And what makes it awesome is that, for example, if if your partner uh, is sensible to sound, for example, even clicking might wake them up. Mm-hmm. That one you just turn, and based on the accelerometer, you get a new state, and it can use that to trigger stuff without making any noise at all.
0: Wow, that's cool! So, well, what that's happens neat. if you were to accidentally um, roll it down the room? Would things just go crazy?
1: <laughs> no, I haven't uh, actually added uh, actions to um, turning. Uh, just to flipping, and flipping, it's quite uh, quite nicely tuned. So if you if you drop it on the floor, it will not trigger flipping because that has to be from a specific uh, uh, level to a completely uh, fixed position at ninety degrees or one hundred and eighty degrees, and it has to stay there for a bit. So uh, that's good. Yeah, you know, people have been using it for, for example, uh, the the turn uh, rotation to dim lights. Okay. I've seen that uh, that being done.
0: Oh, that's so cool! Ooh. Oh, maybe I do need to get one of these.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really neat multi-controller. Uh, I I have, for example, you can just double tap uh, with it, or you can flip one eighty, flip uh, ninety, or you can shake it in the air. The shake it in uh, the one when you shake it in the air, that's the most silent. You don't have to tap or uh, rotate on the surface. You just shake it,
2: and it just thinks. So for Really, really low sound uh, situation. <laughs> okay, that's really so. So I've always I've always seen this, and I never I never really like knew what it was, and I didn't really bother looking at it. It's like controller. Okay, I figured it had like you know buttons and stuff underneath. But I guess I guess this is it's just complete freeform. That's amazing. Yeah, and you can bind them into anything. Uh, it's uh, one of the things that
1: uh, it's related also to the release notes earlier on. Uh, one of the disadvantages at the moment is that. The sensor that you get out of the cube uh, in Home Assistant through the MQTT doesn't yet have events. So, doing automation, you have to actually add uh, automation based on MQTT messages instead of using the actual component that is being added through the discovery.
0: Mm, right.
1: I, I'll probably look into I'll probably look into patching this in, uh, in the future to to make it work uh, like everything else with events.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, once that happens, I might have to go out and buy one.
2: Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking the same thing. You know what? More than anything, it's just cool. <laughs> it's no, no, no I, I have zero good use case for it, but I want it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, other automation that I have are, uh, for example, for the thermostat. Uh, uh, if we leave home, it automatically goes to away mode. When we come back, it automatically gets from away mode off uh and also there's another automation where at a certain time of day during work days uh, it sends us a push notification with actionable buttons mm-hmm. where you can turn on uh heating before going home so
0: oh nice so it'll say hey do you want me to turn the heater on today
1: yep it asks. it says a a nicer message cuz i have uh, this i'm i'm crazy of stuff not being repeated so uh, to be too robot-like. I have uh, quite a few sensors which have multiple messages saying the same thing in different way, and then every time I call an automation, I use it with a random sensor, and then that one gets a random message from the specific list for that specific action.
0: Ah, right, that's cool. Yeah.
1: And uh, I have uh, another automation which I use, uh, and this one is in combination with uh, the UI sometimes. So I have notifications for uh, people arriving home or leaving home. Uh, but these are not turned on by default because it's uh, it got annoying to get told like, hello and goodbye every time you <laughs> yeah. arrive and leave. Yeah. Um, so the way I'm using this is, for example, if I'm on a business trip, I activate the one for uh, which tells me if my girlfriend is getting home or not. Uh, and when she arrives home, I get a notification like, "Hey, she got home," and I don't have to bug her like, "Hey, are you home? Are you safe?" I just know, yeah. and uh, it's, uh, it's for both. It's more convenient.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Marius, and thank you very much for all your documentation of Lovelace. We really appreciate that, and all you work with Zigbee t- as well. Looking forward to getting you uh, that Xiaomi Cube events integrated as well.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, no,
0: thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.